Welcome to a special bonus episode of the Interim Champion Boxing Podcast with Raskin and Mulvaney. With my co-host Eric Raskin, I am Kira Mulvaney. And Eric, we have a special treat for our listeners this week. Indeed we do. We, we did say on our last podcast that we weren't sure if we would have a new episode the first week of March, but uh, we have one and it's a really fun one. Something we've been trying for a few weeks to line up uh, and it finally came together and we're very excited for it, so I will let you inform the listeners just what it is. It is an interview, and our guest is a former world middleweight champion, which is normally reason enough to be asked to be on this podcast. But these days, she's probably better known for her starring role as Alaska State Trooper Evangeline Navarro in True Detective Night Country, in which, in just her third acting role, she went toe-to-toe with two-time Oscar winner Jodie Foster. A very warm welcome to the podcast to Kaylee Reese. Kaylee, thank you for joining us. Thank you. I love that introduction. I feel like I should record that when I get up in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) So let me start, Kaylee, with a a boxing acting crossover question. Um, Do you think your connection to HBO as a boxer in the late stages of the network's boxing series played any role in you getting in front of casting for True Detective Night Country? Or is it just one of those crazy coincidences that, that you boxed on HBO and now starred in an HBO series? It's absolutely a a crazy coincidence and fate because HBO didn't even know who the hell I was when they presented me as the, the, the choice for, or a a possible choice for Evangeline Navarro. They were like, Haley, who, who, what, what? (laughs) Especially with something as big of an entity as True Detective and HBO. And they're, 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 you know, they have different departments for stuff. So no, it is pure, pure destiny and fate and full circle moment. So, so what was the 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 casting process like? Uh, you know, you don't have to go into like all the detail, but sort of the basics of of how long it dragged out and how easy or difficult was it for them to cast you, uh, a, a relatively lesser known uh, actor, in this role? Well, you know, them even having a fourth season of True Detective was crazy, and I was a huge fan. Am a huge fan of True Detective anyway. So the fact that I found out after the fact, I got contacted from the director Issa Lopez. Um, she had been working on this for a while, and her casting director got wind of me when she decided made the conscious decision to make Evangeline Navarro not Latina but part of the indigenous community of Alaska. They was on search for an indigenous actor, and the casting director uh, Francine Maisler had seen catch the fan one she's like look at her that she sent her a picture of me immediately Issa wanted to talk to me about the process and um then i found out it was actually for i didn't had no idea what the project was it's not kind of you know sometimes it's like that in the industry i'm finding out mm-hmm. after i found out it was for the season four of true detective i wasn't aware of Issa's work i was after that i had the audition um and i kind of chalked it up to like dude this is like very very far reach but it's not impossible nothing is but i'm like did my audition and i kind of threw it to the wind and i wrote in my notebook that i wanted the part i really wanted it and i let it go and it was months and months and months until i finally got the call from it you know they did the due diligence um having going through hundreds i'm sure hundreds and hundreds of of auditions and i landed the role and when i got the call from Issa lopez it was more or less it's you it's always been you you are navarro congratulations and i'm sorry (laughs) that's what the call was basically (laughs) So Navarro is a really interesting and, and complex character, but she's also a total badass. And we got to see her, you know, throw some heavy punches a few times. And it makes me wonder a little bit, what was chicken and what was egg? Was that in Issa's mind that she was that kind of character and that played into her hiring you? Or was it was it also a case of, hey, wait a minute, we've got Kaylee Reese here. We, there are some things that Navarro should be able to do because we've got you playing the role. 
you know, now that I think back on it, I know that Issa originally had like written this this Navarro character as Latina and then decided to make her part of the Inupiaq community of Alaska, which was really cool on her end as far as you don't necessarily see people part of the community that they're policing. They're usually outsiders and outcasts. So even that that aside was really conscious and I was really commend her for that. But initially Navarro was just just a badass because uh, because Danvers was was just this broken younger just grieving woman in to happens to be a detective. So reconstructing with Jody on Danvers character and then reconstructing Navarro with myself and then bringing everything to the table and really finding out who Navarro was under all these layers. It was kind of something that developed, but she really just made her just a hard ass, just a hard ex-militant, just hard ass. And then now you see Navarro, she just a big mush, you know, she's a, she's a badass with a huge heart. And I absolutely love the layers that we found and that she revealed because Navarro is a complex, deep character and coming from boxing into acting and knowing it was going to be a physical part. Um, I think she, she actually calmed the physicality down uh, quite a bit. One of our was interesting with me too, because going into this new career, being very conscious of my physicality and the obvious, like put a gun in her, 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 her in her hand, make a mean face, do the stare down face, don't say a word, you know, I can kind of get by a little bit in, in Hollywood, but nah, it was, um, she actually toned it down a bit. And that just so happened to really work for me with the physical parts that I did have to do with the character. Ah, interesting. And I, I'm curious how important was it? I assume very important uh, that a major undercurrent of the story was the ease with which indigenous women are shunted aside to the margins and how easily they are disappeared and murdered. I know that's something that's very important to your heart. It's a really important issue in indigenous communities. And was that a, a major undercurrent of the plot when you were uh, approached to, and, and how important was that to you? It was something that was an undercurrent in East's work period. And she, after reading the scripts, you know, I could see, obviously it was a huge, it was based around that, especially with Issa being from Mexico City, growing up in Mexico, that's a huge issue there as well. And, and women being targeted, indigenous women in Mexico. So she uses that um, in a lot of her work because she's experienced it. So she gets to kind of tell from that perspective. And she has an opportunity to highlight different things that she holds near and dear to her heart, which just so happens to be just right, right the same thing in just a different area um, as, as mine. So it was really, it's interesting when you have art and you have this platform to have this voice. It's, you have to be very delicate in how you use it because it's an entertainment business. So, but the fact that she put this story in Alaska, whereas in 70 to 80% of the people there are indigenous, Alaska native, and this is a real issue in that it's it was kind of like a no brainer that we have to build this around it. So and it, it was really important for me to be able to understand what Navarro's character, what her drive was. And it's something that I can relate to because her drive is for the justice of, of women, the missing and unjust women, the mistreatment and the murder of women in her community. And that's something that I can identify with. Um, so it's just been, it's just been another one of those quote unquote fate things where from my first project to this third project, this really we're basing it around and I have the opportunity to voice this very real, real issue. And MMIW, a missing murdered indigenous women, is just something to bring awareness to the fact that we want to put a stop to this. So we just had another opportunity to present this real on top of land situations, um, environmental situations, tribal situations, as far as how things are intertwined. So it's it's a lot of realism that's, you know, it's not a real, this is, Annie Kay is not a real person, but she is representative of all our women that go missing. And uh, you know, I, I lived in Alaska for a number of years, and I know that like for a lot of 
native communities is that issue of walking between two worlds of, of maintaining their their nativeness while also being a part of western society and that really boy she that was really fundamental to evangelina Varro too wasn't it it was and it's not only that she walks between you know we like to joke in indigenous communities sometimes about wearing one moccasin and one shoe at a time because you walk into <laughs> very spiritual very grounded in the land in our teachings and our culture and then we have to be in reality in like in the reality of today and then what we what with the society we live in today with Evangeline Varro's case too she has more layers on top of that where she's not full Inupiaq she's half she's half Dominican half Inupiaq and then she also is a police officer so there's like two or three more layers to that where law enforcement has a mixed views in the indigenous communities as far as she's part of the community but she's really not and then she's trying to police a community that really has mixed views about law enforcement in the whole so it was just one of those really interesting layers that added on to Evangeline Navarra as well and she and then you get to her specific story that she's pulled really really to the spiritual world and then but she has to ground herself in in reality to do a job and that's really what her battle is around her whole journey is based around as well so you not only get cast to play this fascinating layered character but you're also doing it sharing the screen with Jodie Foster um was there a particular pinch me moment that stood out for you in the process of, of working with Jodie Foster you know when I mean I talked about in a few interviews like when she first walked into the interview I mean into the rehearsal I was like oh my god oh my god yeah but like when we would be sitting you know, just sitting in the green room, just sitting on set in between camera switches. And we're sitting and just like joking around about stuff, quoting <laughs> Team America quotes, movies, <laughs> or Tropic Thunder, or like just laughing. Or she's telling me about what's going on with politics or her fantasy football. And then she's asking me, well, when you fought this one, how does it, what do you and your husband bought, do this management? And like, just like, I'm like, yo, I'm really sitting down this like casual conversation with Jodie Foster. This is... <laughs> What the hell? <laughs> like those, like those moments, and the fact that she's such, you know, I think we paint our people that we look up to as these, you know, we hold them on this pedestal, and rightly so, especially with Jody. Like she's, but she's such a grounded, cool, regular person, and it's just refreshing to know this talented legend that I have the opportunity to work with is just so cool and, and funny and intelligent and so generous with her time and knowledge, and it was just a, a icing on the cake that I get to learn from her, even if she was like a very you know, method and wanted to be away from actor, I still would be a privilege to work around it, but it just added to it that I could just sit and talk and hang and like, oh, what are you doing later? Let's go plant trees and let's go do this. It's like that that would those would pinch me moments. Gotcha. So by by the time it was over, did you did you get an invite to her fantasy football league? You know, I don't understand it yet. So as soon as I understand <laughs> more, because she's like, we're almost the worst. Like she has this group of la ladies that that have this fantasy you're like we're almost the worst but it's just fun doing it so i'm like when i understand that i probably gonna want to do it next year so i can get to know it so but okay. i did you know, i get i get to i get to hang out with her besides work so it's really cool yeah <laughs> so navarro got an ending that's very open to interpretation uh do you prefer any particular interpretation yourself what do you think navarro is doing I keep what Navarro's doing to myself. And also people ask me about Navarro's ending in the tongue. I know both of those in myself, but I leave people with this, um, that no matter what you believe, whether she followed her in her sister's footsteps and she just was done with the world and just wanted to join her spiritual others and just kind of be in that world, or she's okay now and she got exactly what she needed to walk in this life, how she is and as at peace, the first person, probably the only person she would come back to see regardless 
it would be Danvers. And I like that fact. So rather whether Danvers is enlightened now and she can see what's on the other side and, and Navarro's a ghost or she's real, she's going to go back and hang with Danvers, man. She loves, hates that woman. <laughs> yeah. Do you like that it was kept fake like that? It was a big talking point, of course, for the end of the show. Exactly. That's why we like it. There's so many mm-hmm. like if pe- if I would have if people would have asked their questions after the first episode and I would have answered everything, they wouldn't have enjoyed, enjoyed it. Like you enjoy talking about it. You enjoy like a healthy debate or healthy different perspectives is good conversation pieces. You get to share ideas. You get to hear somebody else's ideas. And maybe you didn't think about that. It keeps you talking. And that's that's a really good thing. I mean, some people are pissed off about it, but I mean, it's you can't please everybody, you know? Right, right. <laughs> All right. We are a boxing podcast. We should probably talk a, a little more boxing. Um, in interviews, uh, I, I've seen you say that you are definitely still an active boxer, still looking for a big fight. Um, from the outside, we might say, she's a successful actor now. Why does she need to box? What do we not understand about you or about being a boxer if we're asking that question? You know, I don't think people don't understand. I don't need to anymore. And it was a necessity for me to have to fight, very, especially very early on in my career. You know, obviously, I love the sport. I fell in love with it and I'm good at it. And I got better as time went on because my career has been an interesting and a hard one and a one that I had I earned very rightly so. Um, and, but I also needed to fight to make money and also have the two or three other jobs that I had at the time. And it was it was it never turned into a job per se it turned into something that i needed to do but i really liked doing it and i happened to get kind of paid for it maybe sometimes because there was times <laughs> i thought the title that paid for and it was just the it was just the grind i love the grind of it um and then to have the trajectory that i've had since 2018 since the since the cecilia breckis fight and since the team that i've occurred finally and have had so much success and just the way women's boxing has just changed so much you know i i joke around and say i'm like the j cole of women's boxing where i'm not a veteran but i can come off the couch and he can give you a hot 16 bars real quick in the booth you know what i mean like don't count me out yet but i'm not, i'm not saying like i want another five or six years in the game like i told myself when i went pro like i don't want to overstay my welcome i want to peacefully on my way in my on my own terms say goodbye 37 38 don't want to overstay my welcome because i don't want to be one of those people that needs that say oh god i hope reese hangs it up you know i'm not getting that i'm getting yo when you come back when you come back you're gonna fight again you're gonna fight again i'm like wow this is kind of cool man like of course fighters we don't know how to quit like you got to peel us out of the gym like that's just what it is so also my last two fights in 2021 my that entire year i was dealing with some real serious health issues um Mm. that i really didn't know and i kept it quiet because I'm just one of those chop wood, carry water. It's fine. I'll figure it out type of personality. So my last fight, taking nothing away from my opponent, I was not okay, but I, I won. I won. I I dug down to the deepest parts of hell in another dimension to get through and to get to that fight with the experience I had with the corner I had with the will I had and with the effort, this is how I die type, type of attitude. You know, I was not going to quit. But I know that I still got some more in the tank and because of the health issues and because I needed a break anyway, it's like, yo, I know I need, I got that, I got that, that I'm not satisfied yet. You know, if I, if had I put, I did put it all, I left everything in the ring that those two fights, especially that last one, but I know it's not my best. That was not my best. I know my best is yet to come in that ring and it sounds so, so cliche, but with my specific health issues, I was not okay. Um, So 
the only way I want to fight again, it's not like, oh, I have this scheduled. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Is if, you know, I, I, I'm not one of those fighters. Never have been like, I just want a six round tune up for like 12 years. And then I'm going to work my way up. I've done that for almost 16 years. You know, I'm into the point where I can hop in another elite fight in one or two fights. You know, I can I, I can tussle with the ones who got my 140 titles or the ones bouncing around from 40 to 54 or I don't know, Cecilia Breckis, that clearly her promoter just started a whole bunch of beef. So we can talk about that, too. <laughs> so, I mean, there's there's a few fights I want, but I don't I don't need another three, four years in the game. Also, I don't owe boxing anything. If anything, boxing owes me. You know what I mean? I've never said that. You know what I mean? I, I've I've earned my dues. I've been on the B side most of my career, changed over to the A side, earned it. I know what it's like to be on both sides. I have a great team behind me. And if all boxes are checked, health-wise, makes sense. Um, I'm not going to force a fight. I'm not going to schedule something and then not take an acting job because of that. But if it all makes sense and all these boxes are checked, yeah, of course not. Are there some names, especially as of recently, that I do want to get up in there with just for GP? Yeah, oh, yeah, general purpose? Absolutely, because I'm a fighter. I mean, that's what we do. Can you expound on what the health issues were? Or if it's a personal thing, feel free to say, nope, don't ask me that question. That's personal. But if, if well, not, can you expound? That's actually something I did go into as when I um, when we had the undisputed fight with Santel Cameron lined up. You know, I felt like I did owe the boxing community an explanation because from the outside looking in, it did look like I was ducking. But anybody who knows me even a little bit knows I don't duck. I don't run. I when when where who I'll show up. You know what I mean? But um, I went through menopause when I was 22 um, and I had some bad hormonal issues that I was dealing with. And then 10 years later that whole system rebooted again. So my doctors were like, what? And I've been dealing with the aftermath of not being able to figure out how to regulate what's going on since then. And the last 2021 was really, I mean, I fought at 54, 60 for mo a lot of my career. So the fact that in 2021, I was making 140 way too easy. I remember going to the Chantel Cameron, uh, Mary McGee fight and I was the only one walking around in that hotel without a fight that was walking around at like 140 I was small and I was like why this doesn't make any sense this is not my normal body so it was just a lot of hormonal things that weren't like hey you got a broken wrist put it in the cast six weeks later we can train again it's like I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine I'm not I'm fine I'm not I'm fine it's all these very those things that we we are very needs to be very close monitored with a lot of doctors that don't know what's going on so that's basically what I'm dealing with and after the last fight, I my body was like, you need to have a seat. <laughs> like you needed, like let's 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 chill. So actually, I needed to take a and my body needs to kind of recoup. So it was actually a blessing in disguise. Um, I'm glad I won. I'm glad we had a great fight. Me and Jessica Mara is actually a friend of mine. It was a great fight, but I was like, good lord. I remember looking. This is something I joke about, but it's not funny. I remember looking at the round card girl. I was spent. She's holding up a round card. It said four. I was like four. That was I'm in round four. Oh my god. <laughs> This is what was going on in my head. Of course, I was, you know, my team and I did what I had to do. But I was like, yo, how am I going to do this? That's, that's what was going on in my brain. But I'm a fighter. I'm a true fighter warrior through and through. I'm like, I'm going to figure it out. And either that or I'm going to die trying. Literally, I'm not just saying, oh, I'm going to die trying. Like, this. that's the type of mentality I've always had going into that ring. Like, yo, I got to give him my I'm 100% committed to this right now. So You mentioned Cecilia or Cecilia's promoter. We're curious about whether now you've got this sort of extra level of fame, suddenly people would be opponents are coming out of the woodwork and calling you out. Have you been getting some of that? 
No, um, I actually had said I had said to Cecilia, this is Twitter, this is why I wasn't on Twitter until like as of like the last year. And this Twitter is funny, but it's it, it's entertaining. So I had said like um something about, hey, Cecilia, where you at? Let's bring it back. Cause I would love, I mean, why not? We ain't doing nothing. She's 42. I'm about to be 38. No, she fighting a 54. I'll fight. Like, why not? It was a great fight. Everybody said that they didn't agree with the judges. A lot of people said that. I took the loss, like, whatever, but I haven't lost since. I would love to get that get back. She said that she'd give me the rematch, and she did not. She and her promoter did not. We tried to get the rematch. That fizzled out, whatever. So I had said, hey, it's a study where you at. You know, let's let's do it for old time's sake. And she's like, great, over 1 million views. We did that. Tagged her promoter. I was like, sure. Let's, why not do it again? And her, excuse my language, dumbass ex-promoter, Tom Lothier, or however you say his stupid name, decided to chime in and give this big BS lie about how I almost cost the fight because of the gloves. Now, we're boxing folks, aren't we, here? Okay. Mm -hmm. So, at 147 pounds or below, what ounce gloves do you usually use? Eight. Eight. Eight, eight mm -hmm. ounce Right, that's just a known fact, isn't it? Except for the WBC, they have different rules. That's fine. They do what they want. We fight eight eight ounces. I dropped down one forty seven. So we so I won't even get into what happened. There was a discrepancy. She called the fight off. Said we're not gladiators. I've never fought in eight ounce gloves. I'm we're fighting in tens. I'm like, well, I'm not fighting in tens. I'm fighting in eights. Went back and forth. She called the fight off. I had to say f it. You know what? I saw the bigger picture. I said, you know what? I, it's, we're the first female fight, fight on uh, HBO. Uh, whatever. I had different conversations with a lot of people. And I'm like, you know what? Just give me the tens. Whatever. I'll I'll fight in the tens. I don't want to cost this this fight because of contracts and all that stuff. It's a bigger picture. So I said, I stepped up and I said, I'm going to fight. Whatever. Give me the tens. And I still put her on her ass. So, you know, whatever. It is what it is. But Tom kind of came out of nowhere, talked his shit said a bunch of lies and try to make it look like it was me. So now it's personal. So now he disrespected me. Um, I have no personal beef with Cecilia, but I would love that fight. I'm sure she's interested in it again. But Tom, he needs to put some eight ounce gloves on. Um, he, <laughs> I don't like, don't don't drag my name. Don't lie on me and don't ever, because I am not a runner. I don't do this. Don't, don't tell facts, tell facts. That's all I ask is tell facts. So we'll see if, um, We'll see if that will manifest, but I don't know. Tom kind of messed that up because me and Cecilia were down, I think, but I don't know. We'll see if that happens. I would, I know boxing folks would love that throwback fight. You know what I love? Once a boxer, always a boxer. That is such a boxer's answer. All of that. That was awesome. Yeah, I, I can't help it, yo. I can't. I can't help it. <laughs> so last couple of questions here for you, Kaylee. Uh, you are all fighter, as you've made pretty clear in this conversation and uh, through uh, the body of evidence in the ring. In, in 27 pro fights, you've never been stopped. Is that a testament to your defense, your heart, your chin, all of the above? I think it's all the above because I can't go around like, yeah, yeah, I never got touched. I never got, I've gotten dazed. Like, oh, okay, well, this is going to happen. We're going to have to figure this one out. But I just, I don't have I don't have the no quit attitude. I don't have a, okay, you got me. I have a no guy get you back. I got to figure this out. I'm not going to, I'm going to figure it out. Uh, I'm going to get knocked down trying. You know what I mean? It's just a testament to my skills that I've developed, the team that I have now, the coaches I have now, the defense I, I do have, the offense I do have, the strength that I bear, and my heart, man. I, you can't, there's something that I, I notice in a lot of, not a lot of fighters, but when I do notice it, especially the younger fighters coming up is you can't teach heart. Like I, there's a fighter that um I help deal with now. She has no amateur experience, but 
she's a pro now and she, I just see myself and her meaning like the way she thinks it's unexplainable like you just you can't teach heart like I've seen her get humbled and sparring and go okay well how does like I need to learn from this and like you can't teach that you have a lot of these Instagram fighters and they don't want to fight all these they just want to look good I don't care what I look like I just want to I just want to do my best you know what I mean so it's just, it has a lot it has a lot to do with the heart and that's, that's who I am final question simple one you had a choice between coming back briefly and becoming undisputed champion or winning an Oscar what would you pick Undisputed champion, man. Yeah. The Oscar can wait. <laughs> come undisputed and go, okay, I'm for real. I'm done this time. So, I'll... or I want to want both. I don't know. Right. <laughs> Bit of a cheat, but you know, we'll allow it. It is, it is, it is. But if I had to, if I had to choose like right now, like which one? Man, come on now. <laughs> Hey, look, Kaylee, thank you so much for joining us. And congratulations on your success. And you've got another movie coming out, right? Uh, with Sean Penn, I believe. Even. Yeah, it's called um, Asphalt City. It's coming out in theaters March 29th. And then I also was casted in Wind River 2 that we shot after True Detective. It should be coming out possibly this year. Um, and then also I did an independent film called The Rebuilding Project temporarily right now. So I don't know when that will be out, but I have a couple of projects coming out this year. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Congratulations on all of that. And thank you again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I love I love getting back into my boxing talk, so I appreciate it. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> thank you so much to Kaylee. Uh, Eric, our lengthy streak of great guests continues. Yeah, she was fantastic. I'm, I'm so glad we were able to do that. And, uh, you know, the fact that, that we've turned into as much a true detective night country pod as a boxing <laughs> pod in recent weeks, that this was something that had to happen. And uh, she lived up to all expectations. Yep. But I particularly love that she was really into talking about true detective. But then, like all boxes, when you bring up the subject of some beef with somebody, she's off. I was yes. not going. I would watch your back, Tom Loeffler. That's all I got to say. I, I would. I would, too. All right. That will do it for this bonus episode. Uh, keep an eye out for upcoming episodes and interviews and trips to the vault. Perhaps someday we'll be elevated. But for now, we remain the interim champion. Champion.